on, everybody. Welcome back to The Pop, a.k.a. the Preston Outdoors podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to have Mr. Levi Nix on with us, and we're going to be talking about some late-season ice fishing. Now some little housekeeping stuff. Make sure you guys are checking out the um, podcast on all the major streaming platforms. Also, if you're more of a video person, you, we will be posting the episodes on the Preston Outdoors YouTube channel as well. So if you get a chance, you want to watch those instead of listening to the podcast, you very are very well free to do that. If you have any questions that on the podcast itself or on the video, the same episode, go ahead and leave a comment on, on YouTube on those videos, or you can go to the Preston Outdoors uh, website and post. I have blog posts on there for each one of these episodes. Go ahead and comment on those. Any of the questions, concerns, whatever you guys have, or ideas for different episodes, whatever it may be, you go ahead and do that. We'll get to those questions and stuff like that in further videos. Maybe we'll be having a Q&A video or something like that. That way we can increase you guys' interaction in the pop and it'll help me out as a creator and also be able to answer your questions, stuff like that. Another thing, last thing here, don't forget to check out every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I'll be posting a new YouTube video. Uh, we got a couple more ice fishing videos, I think, coming up. A coon hunting video that will be launched this week or next week, so make sure to check that out. And before you know it, we'll be down in Alabama for the Bassmaster Open, so we'll have all those videos coming to you. So without further ado, let's take a little break here and get to Mr. Levi Nix. All right, here we have him. Mr. Levi Nix is on with us here. Levi, uh, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. I know you are one that I want to do this episode with. We've been planning on doing it for a couple of weeks. Life gets in the way. And uh, finally being able to sit down and talk about this. This is something that Levi, um, more so than me in the last few years, but when I was younger, was definitely a time of year and a topic that I was really, really excited about. Now that I'm getting more in the bass fishing um, tournaments and stuff like that, the late ice season really isn't something that I'm able to do. So, I, I mean, it was a great time to get you on here. So if you guys don't know already, uh, Levi is a buddy of mine um, from originally from the Valley City, North Dakota area. Him and I were able to uh, fish together and stuff like that quite a bit. Um, ice fishing a lot more. We did get out in the boat a couple times like that. But we actually filmed Levi, I'd say the last two years besides this year, our early season ice fishing videos, we were always out together um yep. targeting the the crappies and the walleyes and stuff like that so avid fisherman so i think it'll be a great um great guy to have on here you can add yeah, let's get into it man yeah let's get, get into it. it let's so, get into it <laughs> so um we're gonna start off with some three simple questions i probably know the the answer to these but i like the uh everybody that's listening and watching to be able to to get to know you a little bit more um, we're going to start with something simple. What is your favorite? Oh, we're going to switch that up. We're going to switch it around. Besides fishing, what is something that you enjoy? If you're not fishing, what else would you enjoy? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Golf. 110%. 110%. You can see the hat. So what's the hat then? So the, the people that are listening. The, the classic at Madden's, which is a golf resort over here in the Brainerd Baxter area in Minnesota. Um, I moved over here in June, wanted to take a little golf world into a experience, loved it ever since. Um, don't get me wrong, I did bring four summer fishing rods with over, all my tackle boxes, everything, got all my ice stuff over here as well. Um, but if, if, man, if I'm not fishing, if I'm not fishing, I'm something to do with golf. I'm either on the golf course, uh, watching golf at home. I've been doing that the last weekend with the Players' Championship. Um, but yeah, def definitely golf for sure. 
and in in the winter time, I mean, you're still working at the classic. He's were you running the golf simulator or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was running the golf simulator. It was our first year we had it over at the at Madden's at the resort too. We had it in the Pine Beach West uh, Pro Shop, so I've been doing that in the winter time as well. So, so. <laughs> but besides that, if you know, if golf in Minnesota, North Dakota, whatever, besides sitting in the simulator, uh, I know you bowl a lot. I mean, that's kind of a, a, yes. winter, a winter league thing that, you know, yep. not, a peop, not a lot of people, um, you know, would know about you unless they knew you personally, but you like to bowl. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a little well-known uh, secret that I've been keeping for a couple of years now. So I just like to, I'm the one guy who shows up, like, especially, especially this year, moved over to Minnesota. I've showed up to a couple of these tournaments and did pretty well at them. And all these old guys are like, you know, who's this guy? You know, I see North Dakota plates rolling up. You know, who's this guy coming over here and beating me out cash prizes and stuff like that so no it's been good it's been a lot of fun met some new people um i wouldn't i'd kind of like to say it, like we have our own slang and bowling world it's like a bowling family or something like that mm-hmm. i got a i've met a couple people and they've been willing enough to kind of let me let me in on the, the family if you want to call it that see there's a lot of um i don't know if anybody listening or yourself or watching whatever uh, listens to bass talk live and that's probably the number one bass fishing podcast out there with mark jeffries and matt Painrack. um mark is an avid bowler was a professional bowler now he's i think he planned on bowling on the um, senior tour or something like that so he's always got bowling talk and basketball talk in there as well and they do a lot of comparisons between the bowling world and the fishing world so it's kind of i'm not a, a good bowler i bowl at family events kind of thing just get her get her as long as she didn't go a gutter ball that kind of thing but the the similarities that they were able to talk about in in their show compared to fishing is is pretty cool so i can definitely relate to what you um right. feel and like to do for the the bowling side of things yeah no it's it's been fun i mean i've been doing it for oh geez what am i 22 been there doing it since i was six or seven years old so mm-hmm. i've been into it for a while yeah yeah, and that gives you – besides, you know, like you said, you can't really get out and run the course golf in Minnesota, so you no. got a chance to work the simulator. But then um, you've – you know, you do the do the bowling thing on the side. And you also yeah. work at uh, – was it – it's not Gander Mountain anymore. Was it Gander Outdoors over there? Gander. Is it Bemidji? Yeah. No, Baxter. Baxter. Baxter, that's Baxter. what it said. Yeah. So how do you yeah. like Gander how do you outdoors. like doing that? Because I know this is your I, first year running that show. You know, going into it, I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be like. And I'm, I was completely wrong uh, <laughs> way. I wasn't even close to what I was thinking it was. Uh, it's good though. Um, being able to go into work every day and share the love and the passion that, you know, I have for fishing with others and helping people out, you know, I get, I get, you know, questions about like, um, earlier this winter like when the like january february months you know how everybody knows how it gets tough fishing gets really really hard everybody goes so what's what do you do january and february i give them feedback you go through you give them you know a couple lures stuff like that that they're willing to try um a lot of it is just patience the whole thing of fishing the whole world of fishing knows it's just patience patience is key getting back to the whole gander thing i mean it's it's cool um you know, I've seen a, you know, a few familiar faces in there before, um, guys who I'd never thought I would ever see in there. Um, and you just, you know, you help them out with their needs and then worst case you sit down, I wouldn't say sit down with them, but you, you know, you, uh, 
have a conversation with them about, you know, fishing stories and, you know, what's what you've been catching, where you've been catching, stuff like that. So, no, it's been really good, though. Because I know that's something you and I had talked about, and I, I mean, we didn't even have it written down here. It just made me think about it, is the retail side of things. You run into a lot of guys in different tackle shops that yep. don't know – the butt of a rod from the tip of a rod, basically. Like I've had yep. horror stories where I've had to restring buddies rods and reels and stuff up because the things just went wrong. So it's nice to know that like such yourself, a guy that knows what he's doing pretty much you can go in there. Somebody can come in he's got X, Y, Z problems. He can get them figured out. He can go from there. And I've always thought the retail side of thing would be fun for the fact that, um, God dang it, Abby, get out of here. Come here. <laughs> All right. Time out. Special guest. Special guest, Abby. If you guys have checked out any of the YouTube channels, if you're listening on the podcast, I apologize, but this is my black lab. And if you've seen any of the duck hunting videos, this is her. And she thinks she needs to come up here. All right, get down. Thank you. Everybody everybody noticed that uh, yellow collar she's got on. Must be somebody's favorite color. Yes, sir. Now she's laying <laughs> down in her bed right here next to me. So, But anyway, what I was saying is that um, – I always thought retail would be a fun side of things where I'm at. It's not, there's not, I'm 45 minutes to an hour away from a retail store where you can do hunting and fishing and stuff like that. I think it's right. really cool to where you can bring your knowledge and to help people. And then basically you're surrounding yourself with, with uh, guys or women or kids, whatever that are literally trying to get better or more or interested in the same things you are. So it's not like going to your nine to five job. I mean, yes, there's going to be sucky parts about each thing but you're able to talk with people that have basically right. the same interests as you. And then you can flip flop ideas around. You can basically, it's a big brainstorm session for the people that want to talk. I mean, there's times where, you know, you just go in there and, Oh, I don't need help, blah, blah, blah. And you can go from there. But I think it's, it's yep. definitely something cool. And I know you and I have talked about it. You know, you've got your sucky days at work, just like everything else. But overall, I think, you know, it's, I thought it was cool that you got a job there and that you're able to, you know, share your knowledge of fishing with everybody. Yeah, you didn't believe me at first when I told oh, you. Oh, I didn't. You, you said, there's no way you working at Gander Outdoors. <laughs> like, yes, bro. And I, what did I do? I, I'm pretty sure I got went to work the next day, and I sent you a photo of me and my outfit. Yeah, with the, with the polo. vest on. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. yep. Gander Mountain was my favorite store that they had in Fargo here in North Dakota by far. And uh, when they went out of business, you know, that was kind of kind of tough. But now that you're over there working. So, so you're working, you're working over there. You've got yep. many, many lakes and stuff that you have access to. I mean, you can still come home. You know, your family's here close by in North Dakota. You can still come home. But if you if you had to choose, I mean, this is anywhere across the country. This is anything if you want to oh, go on man. a trip somewhere. What would your favorite species to target be? Oof. Uh, I guess I wouldn't say distance travel because everybody would take that up because then you well, probably don't right. get a chance to do it. But if, anything that you fish for already, that would be your favorite species to target. Can I have more than one? Ooh, depends on what you say. Well, number one is I still have yet to go up to Lake Winnipeg, catch a greenback. Mm -hmm. I know you, I know you've been up there. And of course so, we can't get up there. We can't get up there this past year, you know, with all the COVID yeah. and stuff like that. But um, oh, you're saying that your favorite species to chase or target would be walleyes then? Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. Connor said basically so, the same thing. Well, look at your rod and reel setup. You got a 35 different spinning rods. Of course, you're not going to be. Well, be yeah. Main. I wouldn't say it's 35, but it's more so maybe down 25 or so. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting there. We're so getting there. walleyes are your favorite. 
Yep. Got one technique, your favorite technique to go target walleyes. I'm not saying like this time of year. I'm talking any time of year. If you had a choice to catch walleyes with one technique, um, by far your favorite, what would that be? And if you say jig in the middle, I'm going to punch you in the face. It's, it's not no jig in the middle. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fall time Cheyenne River special right there. Make sure, make sure those people pay attention to that because that's, yeah. that's a little, little secret. Uh, man, favorite. you put me on the spot again. Now I got to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do here. Probably – it would probably be the post-spawn bite either – I love pitching swim baits, big swim baits for walleyes to weed edges. Love them. Um, I mean, you can do a bunch of things. I love to pit. I love pitching jigs. And you know, if I'm casting, reeling, you know, retrieving stuff in, I'm usually occupied. I I can't sit in a boat in the middle of the summertime trolling lead core. I cannot do it. It bores the life out of me. I cannot do it. Um, when you said sitting no. there, tr- when you said sitting there trolling, I thought you were going to say something else besides lead core. I thought you were going to say the old spinners. Oh, no. No, no. Because I, I know that drives you nuts, God. too. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll pull a bottom bouncer if I have to. If I'm mm-hmm. in a tournament and they're biting on bottom bouncers, yeah, I'll definitely do it. But yeah. number one is going to be pitching a weed edge somewhere, whether it's going to be a jig and a plastic. Um, I basically grew up pitching number five shad wraps up on Devil's Lake when I used to go up and visit grandparents. Um, and another thing that I've started to get into the last two, three years is pitching number five, number six, ripping wraps mm-hmm. to the weed edges as well. If you got to weed the rock transition, hop those things off the rocks, it's just, it's dynamite. So but, between those two, the three examples you gave me, we still got to knock it down to one. It's got to be jigs and plastics. It's got to so be. That's what I figured you'd say. And for me, it's, it's, it's funny because like I, I, when it comes to bass fishing, I don't, I don't mind fishing slow, but the whole fact of like trolling, you think since I'm bass fishing a lot more, you're casting all the time. But I tell you what, man, we grew up fishing walleyes. If it wasn't fishing the river, we're fishing the lakes. We would troll spinners. We'd always use, I mean, artificials, which not a lot of people use right away. And that's a topic. I mean, we can talk about in future episodes, but I don't know, man. I could put my two rods out there and we could troll all day and I could just sit there and I could, I mean, I got one in the rod holder and I got one in my hand and we're just sitting there waiting. I can do that for some stupid reason, but everything else I, you know, I, for bass fishing, I'd rather be casting and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, I can definitely see the jig and the plastic thing. And at certain times of the year, either your post spawn or whatever, I know that right. I know that at certain times and a guy that kind of knows what he's doing, you can outfish live bait with a plastic absolutely so i live and breathe it live and breathe yeah exactly so So. we're talking post spawn but now we're in ice fishing season um this is a late ice time of year you know you've lived and grew up in north dakota now you're in minnesota i mean you've got a little bit of transition we'll talk to that um later down the way here but we're going to talk about like it's title of the video we mentioned before late ice fishing season and the number one thing i have written down here um People are going to be coming, you know, looking, hopefully coming to listen to the show or watch. They want to, you know, learn something new about how to catch them, areas, stuff like that. But number one on my list I have is safety, is ice safety. Um, it's the same same concept as if you're um, going, I look at it like this, when you're going from fall into winter, everybody's eager yeah. to get out on the ice. You got your boat put away. But I feel 
even more so you're checking ice, you're looking for safe ice heading out there from fall into winter. I think the transition from winter to spring is sometimes the most deadly or dangerous time of year because coming from open water to ice, you're expecting to fall through, but you may not be paying yeah. much as much attention to the weather patterns or whatever's yep. going on in your area. You're coming from driving on the ice midwinter to late ice where things can change very, very quickly. And if you're not paying attention to that, so for you, what, what is some things that you do um, coming to late ice that you would, you would like to share with some people first for safety reasons? Well, for me, as soon as it hits the first 50 degree day in late ice, I'm done driving on the lake. Cause I know, I mean, not a lot of people think it's going to, you know, deteriorate that ice that much, but it, it definitely does take a toll. Um, so whether it be, you know, you're driving, you know, some of the, I mean, Gull Lake, for example, you know, you drive a mile, mile and a half out to some of the spots that you're fishing. Eventually, once it gets warm like that, I personally tell myself that getting to that spot isn't worth you know, having the chance to fall through and, you know, all those, how that all works. Granted, I can't say much. I've been through seven times in my short 22 years. But so, that was the early ice checking ice, wasn't it? Five of those times were, yeah. 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 Five so, of the times were early ice. Two of the so times were late ice. That brings up, you You fell through, you have experienced that. What's something that, say, the first time you fell through early ice or late ice when you fell, when you fell through going out trying to fish, what's something that you wish that you have or that you carry – all the time with you or something that somebody may overlook um, still trying to get out there for safety ice, equipment. Ice, ice picks 110% number one, always, even to this day, I mean, even the middle of winter, I know it sounds kind of cliche, whatever, but I still carry them in a pocket of mine with me every, every time I go out in the lake. I mean, they've basically saved my life. I wouldn't say save my life, but you know, they've helped me get out of those situations all seven times. Um, I would say ice picks is another one. Another good thing to have is a good set of bibs and a good set of, and a good coat. Like, you know, all these, all these brands are coming out now with float, you know, flotation suits and stuff like that. Those definitely help as well. Um, That's what my question was going to be. Do you think those say the striker bibs, I mean, they're the one of the big ones that ever came out with the floatable, you know, blah, blah, blah. And more companies right. are coming out with more of those suits. Do you think uh, somebody that's an avid early ice, late ice guy or girl, you think that's a, one of the, a big help or kind of a necessity, do you think, in your opinion? hundred, 110%, 110%. I've had, I mean, I have two pairs of striker ice bibs. I've had the one pair I've had for almost two, three years now, four years now. I've loved them ever since. Like they're probably the best pair of bibs I've had. Um, Yes, they're nice and, you know, they're, you know, they're warm. Obviously, they make different kinds of styles, one for thicker, one for thinner, whatever. Uh, but when it comes to the flotation part of it, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion. Yeah. So ice so picks and some sort of floating, floating bibs or jacket or the combination of both. For or a life jacket. Life jackets work, too. I was going to say that's, that's something that too. everybody talks about is the float suits, the float life or the yep. float uh, pants. But the traditional old style, you know, your grandpa, your dad kind of thing before that thing was real. I mean, they, they were going out in life jackets. And that's not something if you, one, you are serious and still want to go out fishing, get out on early ice or head out like we're talking about on late ice here. A yep. life jacket, you know, like more likely can save your life It's if you don't have the means or don't want to spend that kind of money for the, for the suits per se. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, the life jackets are good. Definitely work too. They definitely get the job done. Um, you're probably going to be, but to wet. go on with, well, I mean, you're wet or you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that there's I, a downfall. It's not like the life jacket is the all save all. You can save yourself how many hundreds of dollars if you don't go get the suits. Yeah. But right. I mean, the suits will pretty much, I'm pretty sure they keep you pretty dry. Don't they? When you get they wet. Do, yep. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty, they, they do keep you pretty dry. So, so. a life jacket but, isn't going to, I mean, it's not the all save all, but it's, it's another alternative to it's no alternative for you. And another alternative now that you brought up the whole grandfather father thing is, you know, I've heard stories from my old man and my grandpa, like when they used to go out early ice, late ice, whether you'd be on a, you know, a giant, a big lake, like say like, uh, I'm trying to think of a big lake, Lake of the woods, maybe, or Leech Lake, you know, it's big, you know, there's a lot of bodies, a lot of water, a lot of, you know, areas of fish, or if you're fishing, like what my dad would used to do, like these old smaller lakes or whatever, that's, you know, surrounded by trees, they would bring a long thing of rope and they would tie it around their belt loops on their bibs or on their pants and they would tie it to a tree. So if they did go through, they have that as an alternative to pull themselves out, not only with the life jacket, but with the rope as well. And they'd wear that as they walk out just in case. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. There's another option. I mean, either way that the fish, some of the best fishing of the year, you know, starting off your year will be happening on late ice, but you've got to be conscious and mm -hmm. carry safety equipment with you, but you've got to, got to, got to watch the weather. Like first thing Levi said right away is his rule of thumb is the first 50 degree day. He's going to be watching ice and maybe not driving out there per se. You, know, you, you probably could be safe doing it, but that's just a rule that he has in his head. But that's something that we take for granted is, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's been almost 60 some degrees, almost 70 some degrees this year in North Dakota yep. and, and Minnesota. And we're only, we're only halfway through March. So you've, you've got to watch and, and your ice may be thick. It's another op thing I have written down here for safety wise. Your ice may be thick. You may have 18 inches of ice. You may have 23 inches of ice, but your ice quality is not good. I went out. Look at that. Look at that bottom layer. That bottom layer is key. When you punch that first hole, that top looks fine mm -hmm. because all that ice melts from, you know, from the bottom from down up. up where it freezes yeah. down it's doing the opposite yep. it's going up this yep. way so two weeks ago i went on uh ice fishing here in north dakota on a little bitty pond and we went out there and all of a sudden i was walking out and right at the ramp you could step and you fell through yep it's just right where the because the cement pillars were there so we yep. walked around found a different yeah absorbs the heat but the one thing i thought the ice wasn't clear it was cloudy there was 18 inches of ice something like that but what i noticed is now you look at the weather, but then also, if you think about the earth, we're rotating more, getting more direct sunlight. There were sticks, pieces of wood, probably two feet. You know, they've been fell off the trees and were laying on the water or yeah. on the ice. And they were an inch and a half to two inches melted through the ice just from the sun hitting them. And a stick doesn't warm up a lot, but hits no. them and it, it sinks, starts sinking through the ice. I'm like, God, that's kind of, you know, that's eerie a little bit. And then we had a plastic ice scoop, plastic handle, plastic scoop itself. We scooped out a few holes and we were fishing there. And when we went to leave, that ice scoop handle was a quarter inch into the ice melted. We had direct sunlight, 40 degrees. It was windy, but I was thinking it merely made me think of that for safety wise is your ice quality sucks most of the time where you're at. But if a yep. plastic ice scoop can conduct heat, it's not metal. It's not anything like that. If no. that can go through a quarter inch, eighth inch, whatever it was through the ice, like just the handle was to where when I went to pull it, it was hooked. It was hooked on mm -hmm. the ice and I had to back it out. And it's just, 
it's one of those things you've got to be careful with it. Like I said, if one of those plastic things can melt through the ice, think of what the ice quality is doing. We could hear it. We could hear water, you know, kind of running into the holes just from the top. There's no snow cover, yep. anything like yep. that. So yeah, like you said, you're freezing this way in the winter and you're doing, or in the, in the fall to winter and you're doing this, you know, it's another great point there. Winter to spring. Yep. Yeah. Well, that makes, and that makes a guy think like with your ice scoop, like, Oh, I, I suppose I should guess like how, how long were you guys out there? You know, a couple hours all day. Uh, I think we, I'd say half a day, something like that. At least six, six so, hours. So we'll take six hours. And if a plastic scoop melts through a quarter inch of ice in six hours at what? 50, 60 degrees. I, yeah, like it was that. probably like 40 degrees, something like that. It was probably maybe a quarter inch, eighth inch. I mean, it was in there a lot. So when I went to pull, I had to like back it out and unscoop it. And scoop but, it out. But the thing that got me is that wood, like wet sticks on the ice because they've been, you know, all, and they've probably been there for a while. But the fact that they were an inch to two inches sunk in, yep. that I was like, yep. hmm. that, that makes you think how much does that ice really go when it's 50, 60 degrees when there's, I mean, granted when there's no wind and it's straight sunlight all yep. day, how much did that ice gets melted that fast? That's so crazy. It's you've got to be, you've got to be careful. We can tell you all the areas and we can, you know, the questions we'll get to here, areas, techniques, best, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you can't make it out there because you get injured or, you know, heaven forbid somebody dies, you know, yep. all this information that we're about to share with you isn't going to, isn't going to help you at all. So that's something yeah. that I want to make sure I had written down. Number one on my list, it's circled. Safety. Levi and I are talking about safety yep. because that's, that's yep. number one. No, when Absolutely. they say no ice at all is ever safe. It's ice. ever safe. No that ice is, is ever safe. 110% true. Yeah. It's 110% true. So always remember I mean, that. Making it out, making it out on a lake, say if you're fishing 45, 50 degrees, making it out on a lake and fishing is one thing, but then you got to think about it. Like you've been there and say you've been there for, you know, six, seven, eight hours. Say you fish on a lake all day. You're in a hot pan fish bite, whatever coming off. That ice is going to be completely different than the stuff that you walked over that morning. Completely so, different. Yeah. I've, there's people have sent me videos where they walk out. This was two inches of ice this morning. They come back out and now they're three feet, four feet, five feet, six feet away from the bank. It's all open. So all guys water. throwing your stuff across walking through. I mean, it wasn't very, yep. shit, it wasn't very deep when the guy sent me that, but he had to swim for the most part to get across. So that's crazy. Like, yeah. It's just one of those things. So safety is number one. We're going to talk about, we're going to get more specific as we go on here, but right away, um, very, very general. If you're going to either go to your favorite lake or you're going to go to a new lake or whatever it may be, what kind of areas are you looking for to catch fish? Maybe say we'll start off with like all species, just something general. What kind of areas are you looking for in a body of water that, that these late ice fish will be transitioning to? Uh, towards late ice, probably if there's any some sort of uh, I don't want to call it like an exit, but like a bay maybe, or like a real, sh I don't want to like a shallow bay mm -hmm. that you would think would have like weed growth in it Yeah. come, you know, spring, summertime. That's number one thing that I'm going to look for. Um, you know, you get in there, punch a bunch of holes, find a weed edge, you know, find different depths of water, especially this time. I mean, North Dakota, you can fish four lines here. You can only fish two. Yep. So especially if you were to do it over in North Dakota, take advantage of those, you know, those four lines, you know, set tip ups. Another thing that I've been doing, you and I have been doing, this year, this, this winter was iFish Pros. Mm -hmm. iFish Pros are huge, huge at finding, you know, fishing different body, different depths of water on a, like a piece of structure that you're fishing, everything yep. like that. But um, definitely 
I don't want to say, I don't want to necessarily say shallow water because I know there's still some fish that are deep yet and haven't made that transition, but shallower bays, 110%. That's where I'm going for and it's sure. It's not like they're in, like when, when somebody may not understand this, when they say shallow, it's not like the fish are going to go from their wintering areas to three feet of water. Some, some will, we're not, fishing is right. not a, it's a generalist um, activity because not everything is exact here. But they are they are moving towards the shallower areas. They might not be on the bank when there's a foot of ice still or you know six inches of ice still. But what they're doing is they're kind of slowly migrating into the area to where when things start running in and it starts warming up, they're going to be ready and they're going to be there. If they get there early and kind of stage up, they have to expend less energy going right. a point A to point B. Now some fish do. Some fish never leave the shallow, but we're saying in general. So I think to go off yep. of what you said, if you've got some kind of shallower, per se, whatever the body water, yep. I fish yep. in shallow lakes that's only 15 feet deep, and shallow there is a foot of water. Now, shallow right. on a big lake is 10 feet or less. So it's just it's feet, very, yeah. very general. But if you look on your map and you, you can see, what I would think to, to even narrow down your search even more is find a basin right next yep. to your yeah. shallow base. because basins are traditionally for panfish i mean anything like that the, there's i found out more this year targeting panfish and crappies or bluegills stuff like that the power of a basin in a lake right you know panfish don't care if there's structure for the most part i mean yes they like weed lines they like all this stuff but a basin the power of a basin and yep. all fish depending on which lake it's relative will transition to some sort of a basin so if you've got a bunch of shallow bays that you were saying that you like to target i would even take that a step further and maybe just to check if you got five shallow bays and two have a basin really close and transition to it i'd probably fish hit the basins the, first fish the and work your way up now when yep. it gets to spawning time then those fish will be in all those shallow bays but you, you got to think about it is that they're sitting in the basins generally and they don't want to have to go super far they don't want to swim all the way across the lake for one shallow pocket but yeah do right. what you were saying is find that um that basin and then shallow shallow bays when you're moving up towards it like you said yeah if it's got weed cover that's a great place to start also absolutely absolutely so is that what you do would you work shallow out or would you, you know, not say, you know, not at the back of the bay, but our shallow bay that we have found next to a basin. Yep. Are you going to start in the basin? Are you going to start on the edge of the transition from basin to the mouth of the shallow? Or are you going to start in or which way are you going to work? If you don't know where those fish are, which way are you going to start? Uh, well, if I were to attack, so say, let's, let's say I'll attack this bay for an entire day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start. I don't want to say like shallow. I mean, shallow, I'm talking like, you know, six to 10 feet, something yeah. like that. Maybe yep. even, maybe even a little deeper. Um, I'm going to start shallow, shallow first right away in the morning. Okay. And then gradually as it gets, you know, as the day progresses, I'm going to keep punching holes out. So we're to probably to like one noonish one o'clock. I'm going to be mm -hmm. fishing kind of like that basin that you were talking about in between the basin yeah. going so into working. the bay. You're working your way out of the shallow bay towards the basin as the day goes on. Right. Yeah, I'm going in to out, and then okay. say dark comes around. You know, you fish the basin until around you know midday, two thirty, three o'clock. Once that two thirty, three o'clock comes around, then I'm going to start working my way and fishing those holes back that I had fished that morning. 
okay. as I was coming out. So I'm going to go out and then I'm going to go back in towards evening time. So you're hedging your bet that those fish, either they're in the shallower bay that we talked about or right. in the basin, that they're coming up shallower to feed in the low light conditions and then slowly yep. making the migration back out as the high, high sun comes up. Right. High sun cruising, main lake stuff. Yep. Mm -hmm. 100%. See, that's interesting because I, I don't know. I think for some reason when I was thinking of this question, I thought I would start in the basin just for the fact is like, yes, I understand there's a low light bite, which, you know, will happen at some point or some yep. area. But it's like yep. I want to find the biggest concentrate. It's a double-edged sword here. You go shallow, the fish that you're going to find probably are going to bite. You know what I mean? You may not mark yep. as many, but they're probably going to be aggressive. They're feeding. But it's like right. you got two, you can, like you said, you can go for those aggressive fish or you can find the biggest mass of fish and try and make them to bite. So it's almost like I would start, you know, just inside the basin and then I would punch going shallow to find to the shallow bay to find and see where those fish are sitting. I think the biggest key for me right away would be from the basin meets the mouth of the shallow bay, that transition zone, even if it's a two, three foot drop, any of that little drop yep. coming up there, I think that would, I think I would try and hedge my bet in the morning, setting up on top of that and then putting like an iFish Pro or something on the drop off and then one in the basin. So that Absolutely. way you are, they're not, if you're in the back here, maybe some fish are getting back there, but some got to come up on top and eat and then they'll just drop back off. So I think right. for me, I would start the opposite way just for the fact that I want to find the, see, this is complete opposite of what I want to do in the boat and, and summer fishing, but I would start out <laughs> yeah. there and find, and find the biggest schools of fish and, and fish a little bit deeper and go from there. But then, yes, once you mark those fish and once you find them, then, then the next time you come out, okay, the weather's warmer. I know they're going to be here and they're going to slowly work their way up oh, cold right. front, pull their way back. I just pull think the finding the biggest group of fish, what level they're at could be, could be the ticket to doing it but i like i like the way you mentioned it how you're going to fish the sun um and yeah and oh, the yeah. bite windows yep yep 100 so, so and it, and it varies it varies yeah. with lakes and i mean you know yep. there's some lakes that you know fish fish are different yeah you know fish are always different i mean one day you could go out like say for example i fish my way in to out and then back mm -hmm. in again and it could be the best day of fishing i've ever had in my life go next day say you drop 10 degrees could be completely different yeah fish fish might not even be in that same general area that you were at they could be quarter mile away mm -hmm. fish or on a different a different bay if there's a bay yeah. that's quarter mile away it just depends that's um, the the awesome slash very frustrating part about fishing is that like i said when we started off this segment is like this is general we're trying to look at you know try yeah. to You've got to put the work in. We start off with a big circle and you've got to put the work in on whatever body of water you are until you hit the, the target and then you've got the fish migration down. But if you're going to your lake to try something new this time of year or you're going to a different lake, I think the, the couple topics or ideas that we just threw around there is something that can help a lot. Just remember, this is in general speaking terms whenever we're talking about yeah, fish. For sure. They can swim. They can go wherever they want to you know absolutely so, so we're starting off in these areas or wherever you want to start what give yep. me the first two baits you're dropping down to try and catch some late season late ice season um some fish doesn't matter what species like what's something doesn't matter 
yeah, it doesn't matter what species. I mean, you don't have to get specific on brand, size, all that stuff, but something, right. the, the type of bait that you'd be dropping. Number one, panfish, walleyes, whatever. I bet you already know exactly what it's going to be. Well, you know what my answer would be. Rip and wrap. 100%. 110%. Rip and wrap is number one. If you're marking fish and you this, – see, this is how I kind of think. I always start aggressive. I always start aggressive right Same. away. If they don't bite aggressive, either one – so say like you start with a number four rip and wrap. If they don't bite the number four rip and wrap, downsize to a three. If they still won't touch the three, then I'll switch to like a spoon type thing or like a buckshot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, it, it just depends on the, you know, the species of fish. Walleyes, I won't go anything less than a buckshot. I know I've seen a lot of guys catch them on just, you know, a standard, a summertime jig and a minnow. Yep. And that works. Pound the bottom, you know, that works. But I don't like to go anything under, I would say, probably an eighth of an ounce of a spoon mm-hmm. is the smallest I'll probably go. Do, does it, this might be getting off topic here, but you mentioned a spoon and I know another spoon that you like to throw this year was the slender spoon. You're telling me about that one. Yep. The slender spoon was one of them. We're going to compare the slender spoon and the buckshot. Are you going to waffle between those two? One has a wide action, which the buckshot can too, but you're going rattle chamber and basically silent spoon. Are you going to play between those two or is that, is that something that you interchange depending on the mood of the fish or the species that you're, you're targeting? Because that's, that's something like you go from a bigger rattle bait making noise to a smaller bait with a rattle chamber and as well, like a Northland tackle buckshot, or you can go, is it VMC that makes that slender spoon? uh or is it lindy i can't remember who makes it i can't remember um i know it's not vmc vmc has got the tingler spoons and the tingler that's what it is yep yep so but no and then i mean to carry on with that slender spoon this year that i kind of got it i mean i kind of got into them a little bit last winter too but this winter was a lot of the uh the clam leech flutter spoons is what i was using a lot yep that's what i was using i caught a lot of fish on those this winter it was crazy that was my question is which one are you favoring the buckshot with the rattle chain? Like if we're comparing silent and noisy spoons, when you downsize, is there a big difference between the two or just whatever you're feeling that day? Uh, I mean, there's, they definitely have their differences. Um, Personally, I'm going to go with more action than noise. If that kind of makes sense. Yep. Uh, So I'm going to go, I'm going to lean towards those, you know, like those tinglers, tumblers, leech flutter spoons, slender spoons over a buckshot. That has the only rattle be, in it. Right. Only because if I'm starting out using a rip and wrap that has rattles and they don't want nothing to do with the rattles. Granted, it could be a big bait that they don't want, mm-hmm. whatever. But if they don't want the rattles, I'm not going to go downsize to a buckshot that still has rattles in it rattle. compared to something that it just has more action than yeah. what a buckshot would give off. So when you're downsizing it, they're not eating the rip and wrap. Are you tipping it with a plastic, tipping it with waxies, minnow head? Like what is your, your go-to or are you leaving it plain? See, that's the thing that I found out new this winter. I've always, growing up, I've always been using, you know, those buckshots. I've used a couple spoons mm-hmm. and it's always tipping with a minnow head. Minnow head. Now this year, I found, come to find out, yes, there are some nights that are different than others, but I've had some nights where I tie on a leech flutter spoon and I wouldn't need bait. Because they have, there's that little piece of white, uh, what is it, like tinsel or something, like yep. hair or something they have yeah. on the bottom of it. That white little piece of tinsel attracts the fish just as well as a minnow head does. Granted, minnow head has scent and stuff like that. Yep. But, I mean, I've had times where 
you know, you're working a fish, you've been working a fish for two minutes and he hits it, you know, he, he hits the bait, you set the hook, you know, rip his lips off, he doesn't touch it, but he's still in the area. And I know I've lost my minnow head completely. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just sitting there, you know, I'm ripping the spoon, ripping the spoon, and he'll come back up and hit it again without any bait on it. Yeah. And the first, first time that happened is what changed my mood for the rest of the winter time. Like I yeah. hardly tipped the flutter spoon with minnow heads or anything the rest of the year. Hmm. So Cause I, I was fishing with a couple guys and they were using the, the, the slender spoon or tingler spoon and they weren't tipping them with anything. And I was really surprised that they weren't catching anything Cause that's, I grew up the same way is before ripping wraps came out or anything like that, or the big, you know, rattle bait craze. It was, I started yep. off with the noisiest thing I had and that was a buckshot, but Which we always was a buckshot. Yeah, we always tipped it with something. So then what I had normally done is I'll do the same thing, except I'll go my – I'll start off with a a rip and wrap. Now, for not to get on a giant off track here, but I will fish bigger rip and wraps than you do generally. And I I am probably to a fault at most points will throw the rip and wrap. Like I just – that's what I want. I mean, that's like when we were on Sakakawea a month or so ago and I told you I was, I was throwing, you know, a rattle bait, a half ounce or I can't remember what size it was, but I was throwing a big rattle bait and you're like, that is unreal. The amount of faith that you have in that thing. I said, yep. Oh yeah. 50 feet of water. I'm just sitting there cracking on it. We're catching walleyes and saugers and stuff like that. So that's to, so that everybody knows to a fault, I probably am a rip and wrap rattle bait ice fishing guy you know, to to possibly to a fault. But my secondary that I've gone to is um, the buckshot, but I've always tipped it with a minnow head or my spoon that I use is a sidewinder spoon. The gold sidewinder spoon is kind of my secondary. It's got, it's gold. And then on the scale patterns on the one side, it's got little orange scales, like just a few of them. You know what I mean? That go right down the middle. You know what I'm talking about? And that's when it's, if it's got clear ice, not a lot of snow and we've got sun out that thing will just wobble it'll go way off your graph and it'll give off a lot of shine and that's kind of bounce back and forth between the two i pray that i never have to get to that second one because i want to be pounding no. you know pounding that bait so i think there's i mean there's a big difference between the attitude of the fish like you said i like the way you're talking about it is i'm already using a rattle bait when i go to my spoon yep. i might as well go more action less noise to to a trip so that's right. basically you and I would start off as the same, the same bait when you're, when you're going to those, to those areas, obviously if you're going, depending on the size of fish you're fishing, you might start with a three, you know, rip and wrap or something like that. If you're carrying panfish, stuff like that. And then your secondary might yep. be a tungsten and plastic or tungsten and a wax right. or something like that. But generally right. speaking, when we're searching for fish this time of year, those bigger action baits, because those, those fish are kind of like us. They're sick of that midwinter, lull and they're kind of get cabin fever is what i explained too they're kind of you know seeing what depending on what species you go i mean shoot northern pike this time of year they'll be up in two feet of water eating a hot dog oh, they're fired up, you know what I mean? yeah they're fired so up right now they're fired up so it's like those fish yep. are kind of geared up geared up as well so right what is your favorite species then to target during late ice if you had to pick one well see then it depends on the state again so this mm-hmm. year i had to get used to i wouldn't say used to um but with the season closing, you know, you can't fish walleyes, you can't fish pike, you can't fish. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, you got to get used stuff. to it because, you know, we, we don't have to over here. We, can keep we don't on. have to in North Dakota. See, in so North, when you grew up, we'll, we'll split it into two. When you grew up, what, okay. what are you going for late ice? Like, what's your favorite? 
Oh, it's late ice walleyes, 100%. Late ice, late ice walleyes in kind of the same areas we talked about. Is it the same yep. baits then too? Um, when, yep. when you go to rattle bait, what, what size are you starting off late ice with? I'm starting with the number five. Number five, okay. Number five rip and rip. You got a certain color that, I mean, you don't have to give up the juice, but are you got a certain oh, color man. that you're, you're dropping right away? Or uh, Chrome blue is really good. Yep. Um, but then yep. you got the, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Don't um, say it. I'm, don't I'm say picturing it. it. Don't say my favorite. What's it, what's it called, though? Because that's what I use. What's it called? The yellow one, huh? It's the yellow and black. Chartreuse black back. Yes, that one. Chartreuse yes. black back. That was really good. And you then just obviously used that I mean, one because of the time we went out and I wouldn't put it down. No, I started using it the time after that, you that. A 14 and a half inch crappie out of that lake on a number five <laughs> rip and wrap in that color. So I, I was the first rip and wrap I ever got. We went up to Lake Winnipeg. It's a number five chartreuse black back. It's basically yellow. I mean, if you guys haven't figured out already, leave a dropped a hint. Yellow is my favorite color. Um, so I got rocking the yellow Crocs even right now. We're out fishing. My logo is yellow and black. If I could, I'd have a yellow. Prove the Crocs. Yeah. Prove the Crocs. Prove it. Oh, yes. For you folks oh, at home, yes. I took my shoe off. And, uh, yes, of course, yellow Crocs. Crocs and socks, baby. But that's a different subject as well. But <laughs> I, it, we went to Lake Winnipeg, dirtier water, chartreuse blackback, typical, typical dirty water color. Levi and I are out fishing. He's catching – he's smoking me catching crappies and walleyes on a uh, buckshot purple with the it purple was in the dark yep. one purple uv and he's like dude they're not going to eat the ripping out i said they're going to like i'm not giving them a choice had a fish come in suspended boom 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 and i said you got to use a smaller one and i said i'm not getting a smaller one. i don't have smaller ones number five is my go-to again blindly in love with these things get smacked yep. reel it up and i've got the picture somewhere i'll probably you guys gonna watch a video i'll pop i have the you picture, gotta drop it in i'm gonna drop the picture in right here <laughs> i we were recording we were recording and I'll even leave a link at the top of uh, top of the YouTube video here. If you guys want to see it, Levi and I out there. I was recording, and I pull up a 14-and-a-half-inch crappie, and I pinch it between my legs, and Levi's face is just – It's just like and I, he goes, I couldn't – He's like, what would you catch on? I said, the ripper. You've got to be kidding me. And him and I just freaking out in the ice house. So that's kind of – Oh, man. That's I love that you said that because those two colors are definitely the ones that I use too. Yep. Yep. And then obviously, I mean, you got to use – the i don't even know if there's a specific name for it but the perch pattern yep and especially if you're walleye fish you know, mm -hmm. you know all walleyes eat perch you know so that's yep. a guarantee um there's one more too i believe it's the i don't know if it's a chrome but it's the i think it's a shad color i believe is what it is okay. the all white one it's is it, all white is it one the that they shiny make white or is it the matte white the matte white the matte white okay yeah yep, that, that's white a uv one. isn't it a uv i believe so yeah Yep, I'm yep, pretty sure. I know exactly what you're. So those so are your go-to. Yep, those are my four go-to colors right there for mm -hmm. rip and wrap wise. And for me, it depends on the like you said for watercolor chartreuse black back number one dropping yep. it down. Um, I'm trying to think. I used a white kind of pearlish color when I was on Sakaka. We was actually using these the Strike King Red Eye Shad. Um, if you guys, for the walleye people, I don't know how many people use those. That's kind of something my dad and I have been doing because we bass fish a lot. So my dad will use his half ounce red eye shads and 
The man catches big fish through the ice. Well, the man just caught a big fish through the just ice caught a couple weeks a, ago. Yeah, it's uh, 28 inches and was 10 pounds, 2 ounces, just caught through the ice. His biggest walleye ever. But he's got multiple um, 7 to 8-pound walleyes. Uh, I remember a 7-pounder a couple years ago was a big red the red with the black stripes, half ounce red yep. eye shad in 25 feet of water, just ripping it. And then he sent me a picture and that fish just had it choked, just choked. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he, he's kind of like the same way I am as if he's got three boxes of them with almost all the colors and he rotates through those, but chartreuse black back, I'm using a clear water situation. I really like that um, chrome blue on top. Um, yep. That seems to catch a lot of smallmouth for me shininess of it but that the white color it was the quarter ounce because it was a little bit smaller quarter ounce striking red eye shad it was kind of a matte pearl white and greenish on the top i use that okay. as a kakawea to match the rainbow smelt and i don't know if that had anything to do with it why we catch fish but in my head it made sense and those are my starting off with a number five that's what i'm doing um the really this year was the only time i put a number four on is when i was targeting perch and i used a perch color one in my videos i showed you number four perch because perch eat perch and that's dude it makes no sense it makes no sense it, i don't understand it the buckets I were don't. full and we caught a ton of fish i guess it doesn't make sense but i mean if you're realistically they eat themselves or you can go anytime your minnow pattern do something match the hatch like like levi said yeah. if you're using a perch colored one you're chasing walleyes that kind of thing get it as close as you can and then let them tell you what they want for size wise but that right. kind of thing right yeah, that's uh, definitely my favorite favorite way to do it. So, so now that you're in Minnesota right. and you've got a season-wise and everything's pretty much shut down, what are you targeting late ice there now? Big crappies. Big crappies? Big, big pre-spawn crappies, yep. Mm -hmm. Granted, you'll catch a few. I mean, big gills are fun too, but yep. growing up, I've never been a guy to – I don't want to say I don't know how to chase a big blue gills because I kind of have a sense in doing it. Yeah, but I haven't been the one to strictly go out and target bluegill specifically myself. Mm -hmm. I think I did it twice this winter with a couple of buddies of mine. We did, you know, we caught a couple nine and a half, ten inches. But this time of the year, with the season closing, it is strictly crappie fishing for me, one hundred and ten percent. So, what are you starting um, off there with crappie wise for lures when you're chasing them this time of year? Number four, ripping wrap, number tipping four, the bottom treble hook with with some spikes. Yep. So you actually okay? I got two questions for you. Number Shoot. one, number one color, and your number four that you're chasing crappies with. Okay. Uh, the chrome red, chrome pink color. Okay. Yep. And two, you're tipping it with something. Yep, tipping it with waxies and spikes. <sighs> I can't do it. Don't hate. Don't hate. I know. I know you like fishing them things bare, but I can't. I just. I don't. I've seen it's too some, much where that messes with the. It messes. I can see like when you're pounding it and they come up and they got something to look at, but yeah. it's like, for me, I, I really want the loud wobble moving. And sometimes if you, I would probably, it depends on how you do it. I guess I might fish them too hard to where I'll rip those suckers off. You know what I mean? Yep. Rip the spikes off. But I guess, like you said, if they're coming into that minnow profile rattle bait and you're just doing that and you can finish them with those spikes, that's something, you know what I mean? I'm open to try anything, but that's just something interesting. I didn't think you would do. Right, and I put up, and the reason I put them on that bottom treble hook, um, is bottom, when you're fishing bottom. That, you're talking about the first one, the, the bottom, front, yeah, the, the front, bottom of the bait, the one that's yeah, on the, the chest, front, the not not the one in the yeah. tail. Yep. So everybody nope. knows he's talking about the the bigger, nope. and lower the keep, hanging and the one. I should say. 
And the reason I do that is to keep that tail open. So if you're sitting there and you're bouncing, you know, you're just slowly moving that rip and that back tail is still moving up mm-hmm. and down. So you got that, that action of the back tail still moving up and down, but you got that cement, that the spikes and the wax ones on the bottom end of it for them to cl- kind of close the deal. Okay. Is the kind of the kind of way that I go about it. So okay, hmm. and then uh, since we're talking crappies, panfish, what's your number two bait if they're not biting the rip and wrap? Then it would be a, a one. Thir- it would be a one thirty second ounce VMC uh, tumbler spoon. A what? How big was that? One thirty second. Oh my gosh! What is that thing? Small. Like, it's like you probably go catch a fathead minnow with that thing. Yeah, it's pretty small. See, it's funny that you say that. I I would go to a tungsten. Like my second you would be a tungsten. See, and, and a lot of people do that though. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go straight to the tungsten. See, tungsten is my third step. Okay. Is my third step. That's kind. Of, it's kind of the same with walleye fishing too for me. Because mm-hmm. you start with you know again you start with the you know the rattle or the yep. the rip and wraps and you go screw and then I go, then I go tungsten with a minnow. Crappy fishing, it's kind of the same thing. I'll go number four rip and wrap to a spoon, a smaller spoon. The I don't know if it's exactly spoon. one. Yep. I don't I know, know if it's mean. exactly one thirty-second ounce, but it's it's small. It sounded good. It sounded good. Well, yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> so I'll go rip and wrap spoon, and then I'll go to the tungsten. And to start off with the tungsten, I know a lot of guys will go tungsten with spikes right away. I'm not fishing spikes. I'm fishing plastics right away. See, that's if I, I go tungsten. Yep. I go, I go plastic. So when you're going after them, is there a favorite plastic that you like to throw? For oh, them? there's so many. There's so many. Um, I know there's a lot. You don't have to tell me that. I said I said your favorite. Uh, probably. Oh man, it's uh, Are you clam, matching? Go ahead. Clam Mackie plastic. Uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it. Any, it I would say anything. Anything clam. Maxi so, plastics. It's like a you, spike kind of thing. It looks like a spike. I was going to say, are you getting specific? Some guys go into that. They want that minnow profile that time of year, yeah. or do they want the bug profile? Like, do you get that specific with it? Always go bugs. I'm always bugs. Yeah. Color matter? Uh, depends. See, Some days it's different. White but and red white. have been my favorite when it comes to plastics. I go white black and chartreuse i guess i've never thrown black chartreuse i have had good days perch fishing yep but white for me is king and then when i was targeting bluegills the it's the clam mackie the jamie the one the little bug with yes, the two tails that's what i'm thinking of the jamie in red yep. that yep. i put on a white i put on chartreuse but that red on a tungsten was has so red and white are kind of my two that I go back and forth. I maybe need to sprinkle in some black because a lot of the natural bug forage is black. Yeah. But but yeah, that's kind of a hmm. Because I know some guys say, "Oh, you got to go minnow profile. You got to get those blah blah blah." And it's like. And then what if the fish don't want minnow profile that day? Then what do you do? But I guess like we're saying, we're fishing late ice. They are kind of trying to m- transition up. Well, a, a minnow is right. kind of a more a main. Um, a main winter, or I would say a main season forage. Look at bass fishing. You're going to eat craws, stuff on the bottom, blah, blah, blah. Then yep. they're going to go to yep. a minnow forage, and then they got a chance to either stay on a minnow shad forage or they go back to craws that time of year. So it could be you got to play around with both of them. I think both the profiles can help. Some guys will take their 
their Mackie plastics that are hooked like this uh, horizontal and they'll hook them vertical. So it gives you a minnow profile. Just changing that sometimes has, has caught right. some people some fish. So there's another, there's another option for you too. Right. So we've been on here for a while. I think we got a bunch of great information that we were able to, to talk and I hope everybody's been able to, to learn something. Again, I'm going to shout this out here. If you've got any questions uh, about this episode, um, things we've talked about, maybe some things you agree with, maybe some things you don't agree with that we didn't talk about. Um, like I said, you can go ahead and send me an email at Preston Outdoors, the uh, number two at gmail.com. You can go ahead and comment on the uh, Preston Outdoors website for the blog post for each one of these podcasts, or you can send me a direct message or leave a direct message or something like that on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I said before, hope you guys learned something. I thought there's a lot of good information here. I know Levi will be on here at uh, future episodes. Um, there's a lot that him and I talk about on a day-to-day -day basis or a week-by-week -week basis that will make great podcast episodes. And when they when they come about, we'll definitely get them back on here. So, Levi, I want you to I want to thank you for hopping on uh, for me on a on a Monday night to get this thing. Um, knocked out or whatever and share some information with everybody that's listening. Um, if somebody wants to follow along with what you're doing over there in Minnesota or be bopping back and forth between home here in North Dakota, uh, where can they find you and where can they look you up and on your social medias? Uh, it'd be Instagram um, is at Nick's Gophers one. I know you've, we've plugged that before. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be, if you want to, I mean, if you want to add me on snap, ask questions about fishing, uh, it's just at Nick's Gophers. Um, and then I believe Twitter is the same as well. Just at Nick's Gophers. Yep. So pop, feel free pop to pop it up. Yeah. There feel free the... to send a direct message, ask about fishing, talk fishing, whatever. I mean, I'm if there you guys in the Baxter area. You go to Gander outdoors, look up for Levi Nix. He'll, He'll be see me there. He'll be come see him, come get some more info from him or whatever. So, well, yeah, I thank you sure. guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you go ahead and, and check out, Every, like once again every tuesday we're uploading a podcast and every thursday we're uploading a uh, youtube video so thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you next time